All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Genesis. Now, the last time we were here, we saw Joseph in the prison. And we do remember that Joseph was set over the prison and that everything in the prison was under his charge and care. And while he was there, there came in two servants of the king. One was the cupbearer and the other was the baker. And they both had a dream the same night. Joseph interpreted their dreams and he told the cupbearer that he would be back into the service of the king in a few days. And he told the baker that he would ultimately be executed by the king. Joseph's interpretation of the dream proved true. And Joseph told the cupbearer, knowing that the cupbearer would be restored back to his service to the Pharaoh. Joseph told him, remember me. That is, remember that Joseph was a Hebrew who was sold as a slave into the land of Egypt. And even in this prison where Joseph is now being confined, he had done nothing wrong. But nevertheless, even though he asked the cupbearer to remember him, the cupbearer did not remember him. And once again, the whole issue that we were speaking of all throughout these particular chapters, especially uh, since chapter 37, the whole issue is God's sovereign hand in the matter in Joseph's life in procuring a solitary place for the Hebrews to multiply. That is to get them out of the land of Canaan because of the constant fear that they would intermarry with the Canaanites and therefore not be able to fulfill their divine purpose that God had chosen them to preserve the knowledge of the true God as well as the worship of the true God and be a light into the Gentiles. This we are, we have already talked about a number of times is constantly being assaulted by demonic forces and by the foolish actions of the Hebrew people. Okay. But nevertheless, we're not going to rehash all of that. But the point is God's sovereign hand is always involved in this picture. So the, but so the cupbearer did not just simply forget of his own, but he forget because it was not in God's timetable for Joseph to be remembered. Okay. And with that, we move into chapter 41. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream and behold, he was standing by the Nile and lo from the Nile, there came up seven cows sleek and fat and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke and behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning, his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all of his wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who can interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. 
Pharaoh was furious with his servants and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. We had a dream on the same night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related to them, related them to him and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one, he interpreted according to his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened, he restored me in my office, but he hanged him. Okay, now we see that it has now been two full years since these last events, that is, of the cupbearer as well as the baker. We remember the interpretation thereof. And so now we see the divine hand of God. In other words, it is now the timetable of God for him to move Joseph into the next stage of his life. And matter of fact, since we want to deal with these, let's deal with this issue right now. Because we're going to find out that Joseph will have been in Egypt now for up to 13 years, occupied each of those positions one as the head of the household of Potiphar, and then after his false accusation and imprisonment in Potiphar's prison, we see that he was still elevated even as a prisoner in the prison over all of the prisoners. But the point that I want you to see is that God has, is in the timetable of God, it has prepared Joseph for what God has intended him to do. That is in the household of Pharaoh. And so this is the next stage of Joseph's life in the household of Pharaoh to look over all of the things of Egypt. But the point that I'm trying to stress is when we look back and this is not seen by Joseph, it is not even seen by us as God deals with us in similar ways. Now, when I say God deals with us in similar ways, I mean preparing us. I don't mean elevating us to power. So forget about all of the teachings and all of the sermons that you've heard from out of the prison to the throne, how God would take each and every one of us and do the same with us because God will not do the same thing with each and every one of us because it is not in God's plan. It's not in God's will for all of his children to be elevated to such a degree or status. Okay. It was in God's plan for Joseph because Joseph would be fulfilling a, a duty that God would have him to do. That is provide for the household of his father, Jacob, provide for the Israelites. God is not dealing with each and every one of us. So please get that out of your mind if it is and such interpretation, cast it aside. Mostly all of these things are a derivative of pride. There is something inside of us. We always want to be elevated and brought above others and things of that nature. Let God's will be done. If God desires to elevate, he will elevate. Other words, otherwise, the point that I'm stressing once again is God prepares us with the things that he allows us to suffer 
in our lives. He prepares us for what he wants in our particular life. And that may not necessarily be some sense of raising us in some higher degree or not. Okay. With that preaching now being done, let's turn back to the commentary of the text. So what's going on? It's now two years. It is the timetable of God. God has now prepared Joseph with Potiphar, with the jailer and the experiences that uh, uh, he acquired then, the knowledge that he acquired, the wisdom that he acquired. The time is now. God has now prepared him for this next time. So what happened? He gives Pharaoh a dream and all of this is done to move Joseph, we know, into the court of the Pharaoh so that he can be positioned by the hand of Pharaoh. But nevertheless, he gives Pharaoh a dream and the dream is quite simple. And this particular chapter, although long, is quite narrative. And I don't think I need to deal with all of the verses in any intricate type way. But the dream had two parts. The first part of the first dream, the dream were two dreams. The first dream was a dream of cows who were by the Nile. And we always, and the Egyptians always associated with the Nile in the agricultural sense. Why? Because the Nile would overflow its banks seasonally, and this would produce great fertility for the land. So the idea would be fertility, but I'm not going to get into interpretation of the dream. But nevertheless, seven fat cows, they were beautiful to look upon and very fat and pleasant. And then coming after them were seven, as the, as the scriptures call it, gaunty and ugly, uh, ugly, slim, uh, ugly cows. And then all of a sudden, the slim cows ate up the fat cow and this alarmed Pharaoh. And so he awoke from his dream. After he awoke, he went back to sleep again. And then he had another dream and he saw seven beautiful little plump ears on a stalk and all, and they were beautiful, fat, good to look at. And then all of a sudden you sound seven other, uh, same ears come up on a stalk, but they were blasted by the east wind. So in the same sense as the cows, gaunty and decrepit and things of that nature. And so they ate up those ears, the seven plump ears of the stalk. And then Pharaoh awoke from the dream. Now, when Pharaoh woke, Pharaoh woke from the dream, of course, he began to seek some sort of an interpretation of this dream that he had. And when he, and this was always common upon uh, me and especially the pagan kings of, of, of great royalty, they would always believe that there was some sort of an omen or a sign or meaning to a dream. And so therefore they would seek interpretation. And they had this whole guild, guild of magicians and interpreters that would, that they would use as counselors to interpret their dreams. So Pharaoh called upon his own magicians and interpreters to interpret the dream. He told them what the dream was, but they could not interpret the dream. Now keep in mind, all of this is by design of God himself. God did not want them to come up with an interpretation. And so therefore they submitted no interpretation of the dream. But nevertheless, remember what I told you about the cup bearer. Not only was he a taster 
for the king, but he was also a great confidant of the king and he would be by the king's side almost at all times. And so what happens? The cupbearer who is beside the king, all of a sudden he remembers or the idea is God causes him to remember. And so he says, I remember my faults this day. And so he remembers that when Joseph had, when he had left the prison, the king released him. He was restored back to his position that Joseph had told him to remember him. He did not remember Joseph, but now all of a sudden he is remembering Joseph. And so he recalls for the king, this Hebrew slave who was in prison, what he had done, how that he, as well as the baker, the cupbearer, and the baker had a dream, separate dreams, the same night, and each dream had its interpretation. And they had this Hebrew slave, that is Joseph, interpreted their dreams for them. He, he in the interpretation for the cupbearer, he will be restored. In the interpretation for the baker, he would be executed and Joseph's interpretation proved true. And this is what now the cupbearer is saying to the Pharaoh. And so now you can imagine how the Pharaoh is enheartened. He's happy in a sense because there is someone who can possibly give the interpretation of his dream. So what does he do? Quite naturally, he will send for Joseph. All right. Verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I've heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Pharaoh spoke to Joseph in my dream. Behold, I was standing on the bank of the Nile and behold, seven cows fat and sleek came out of the Nile and they grazed in the marsh grass. Lo, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt such as I had never seen for ugliness in all the land of Egypt. And the lean and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. Yet when they had devoured them, it could not be detected that they had devoured them for they were just as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I saw also in my dream and behold, seven ears full and good came up on a single stalk. And lo, seven ears withered, thin, scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. And the thin ears swallowed the seven good ears. Then I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years and the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I've spoken to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, Seven years of great abundance 
are coming in all the land of Egypt. And after them, seven years of famine will come and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it about. All right, so now Joseph prepares himself to stand before the Pharaoh. Of course, he gets himself, they take him out of the dungeon, they clean him up, he gets shaven because the Egyptians are very funny about how at that time, of course, how that such a man would appear before Pharaoh, especially coming out of the prisons. But anyway, Joseph is cleaned up. He comes out of the prison and he's set before Pharaoh and Pharaoh begins to tell Joseph his dreams that he had. Now, we also note too that certain other information is supplied to us, that is even to Joseph in the dream. So what does he say? He talks about the seven and we're not going to go over all of that again for basically it is a repetition with just a little bit, little bit more information added, but the seven cows and how that the seven fat cows are ate up, are eaten up by the seven gaunt, lean, thin and ugly cows. And the additional information that he gave is, but after these thin cows ate up the fat cows, they didn't get fat themselves. Cause you can imagine if you eat fat cow immediately, you would at least look fat, but they look just as ugly and thin as ever. And then of course, in the second dream that he had, those plump ears were ate up by those thin and scorched ears. And nevertheless, it had no appearance of fatness in them. So Joseph gave the Pharaoh the interpretation of the dream, but notice something also too about Joseph. Once the Pharaoh came to Joseph saying that he heard how Joseph could interpret the dreams, Joseph did not try to aggrandize himself or make himself more appealing to Pharaoh. Joseph gave all honor and glory to God. And he said that God would give Pharaoh the interpretation of the dream. So it was both Joseph's humiliation by giving honor to God who would do so. And it also was an indication of Joseph's faith in God, that God indeed would supply Pharaoh a favorable interpretation of the dream. But nevertheless, as Joseph gave the interpretation of the dream, he made Pharaoh to understand that the dreams were one in the same. That is as far as the fat cows and the fat and plump ears, they are one in the same. The fat cows and the fat ears are indication of abundance. And because there were seven of them, they were an indication of the years that is God would give Pharaoh seven years of abundance in the land of Egypt. And it would be, and that's the indication for the fat cows and the plump ears, seven wonderfully great years of abundance. And so therefore he said the dreams were one in the same, that is giving the same message. And then followed after the seven cows, we remember the seven lean, ugly, and thin cows. And then also what? The seven ears that were uh, 
they are blasted by the east wind and things of that nature. These two were one and the same. That is, there will be seven years where, where will be followed by uh, lack, extreme lack. And so Joseph said, and how the dream was working was, as you saw the seven lean and ugly cows eat up the seven fat cows and did not appear to be fatter themselves as well as the seven lean blasted ears eat up the plump. And there was no uh, appearance of fatness in them either. The, the devastation that would follow in famine would eat up the seven years of abundance so that the seven years of abundance would be forgotten because the famine would be so severe in the land of Egypt. And so therefore Joseph gives his interpretation to the dream. Seven years of abundance, which will be followed by seven years of famine, but the famine would be of such to such degree that the years of abundance would totally be eaten up and forgotten about. And so Joseph interprets the dream, but he even goes a step further. Now, let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now, okay, let me stop there and then we'll talk about the rest of it. And so Joseph not only interprets Pharaoh's dream, he then goes to give Pharaoh advice on what he should do to, to handle the situation uh, properly. And, and this is what plays out. And I don't want to start preaching again, but this is what begins to play out in the training, the divine training that God gave Joseph in his years of hardship. You see, Joseph may not have understood why he was suffering. He may not have understood that God was training and preparing him, but even as we are here now at this particular point with Joseph's quick ability to not only interpret the dream of Pharaoh, but give him advice on how he should handle the problem so that Egypt would basically come out unscathed as a whole in the end. Only way he could do this was through the experience that God had guided him through. It was through the hardships of these experiences in Potiphar's house as the head of Potiphar's house in the prison as the head of the prison guard, the wisdom that God had given him. So nevertheless, God, so Joseph had advised Pharaoh knowing that these things are happening. This is what you should do in the seven years of plenty. Take 20% of all the crops, take 20% of it. And in each of the cities where you have those fields in each city, create a storehouse where you can store 20% in all the years of abundance so that 
when the years of famine should come, you are already prepared for Egypt not to starve to death. Okay. And so this is the wisdom that Joseph gives unto Pharaoh. All right. So now, and when he actually gave such a plan as this, you know, usually you would see, uh, there would be a degree of envy or jealousy in the servants of Pharaoh, but no, indeed, I think also the hand of God is present here as well, but they, they saw Joseph, not only interpretation was good, but that his remedy uh, for the situation was equally just as good. And so therefore it was pleasing both to Pharaoh and his servants. So now let us look at the response of Pharaoh. Verse number 38. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne, I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. He had, he had him ride in his second chariot and they proclaimed before him, bow the knee and set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh named Joseph Zephanath Paniah, and he gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, as his wife. And Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt and placed in the food and placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from his own surrounding fields. Thus Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. Okay, so now we see the response to Joseph's advice. And Pharaoh is clearly moved. And so Pharaoh simply says unto his servants, even as he speaks to Joseph, listen, can we find another man? And notice where it says, in whom is a divine spirit? Literally in the Hebrew it said, the spirit of the gods. Now, Pharaoh was not indicating that he had some knowledge of the true God, but he was basically speaking as an idolater of that day would simply speak, the spirit of the gods, okay? And because the Egyptians served many gods, they were polytheists. But his whole point was that it was something within Joseph, the spirit of the gods, that, get, uh, uh, that was given to him not only to provide interpretation, but also to give wisdom to these things. And so in acknowledging this, 
Pharaoh set Joseph over his entire kingdom. And so he removed the signet ring and the signet ring was the ring of the Pharaoh itself, a royal signet ring that would be used to seal documents. So it would be placed in some sort of a clay. So when the clay would dry, it would clearly show that this was, this was the ring of the Pharaoh and would bear all the authority of the Pharaoh. And what you have to understand in Egypt, the Pharaohs was considered to be a God. So therefore the ring would bear ultimate authority. He gave this ring to Joseph, the ring of authority. He put on him new fine linen, new clothes, the clothing of royalty as well as the gold chain. And this was an indication. And he told Joseph that he would uh, be ruler over all the land of Egypt only underneath the Pharaoh himself. And so he also set him on his second uh, best chariot. This is indicating that Joseph would be number two in all of Egypt. And in that authority that he had given Joseph, he basically gave him authority to do all the things that Joseph and all the things that Joseph had just advised him to do. Now that was the, the, the primary mindset, but Joseph not only could do that, he had authority over everything, everything and everybody. So therefore we see now the King Pharaoh had elevated Joseph to second in command or second in authority over all the land of Egypt. Now, and with that new status that Joseph was now elevated to by the Pharaoh, he gave him a wife and she was the daughter of, Un, of the city of Un. And this is nothing more than the city called Heliopolis. All right. Heliopolis about what? Seven miles uh, uh, of the, of the Nile river on the outside a city from that, but that's not such a big deal. But nevertheless, we see Joseph now because the, the Pharaoh is seeing Joseph as like an, one of his magicians. And this is why we see Joseph being given the daughter of the magician priest of Egypt. Okay. Because Joseph is now considered to be chief even over them, second in command, also because of these divine gifts, he's given him a priestly daughter of Egypt to marry. Okay. And so that's the whole idea beyond that in that new status of Joseph. And so now Joseph is elevated in all of Egypt and therefore all the servants, all the people of Egypt are commanded at the presence of Joseph to bow the knee in the same way that they would do with the Pharaoh, Joseph now goes out onto Egypt. In other words, as he has this new administrative position, he goes to check out the land of Egypt. And so for the seven years, according to the interpretation of Joseph in the dream, Pharaoh's dream, he is proven right. The land bears abundantly and Joseph creates storehouses in each city that is wherever the fields are storehouse in that city. And he would take of the abundance of the, the, of the land during those seven years and create these storehouses. Now it would also be wise to, to, to monitor how much is being taken in. But notice what the scripture says. 
it began to be so much abundance that he even stopped counting. He just said, okay, just fill it up, <laughs> fill it up. It's just too much to keep count of, to show you indeed how abundant the land of Egypt had become. All right. So now let's continue on to this next section. Final section. Now, before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, Pharaoh, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. He named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. When the seven years of plenty, which had been in the land of Egypt, came to an end and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, then there was famine in all the lands. But in the land of Egypt, there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, you shall do. When the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians and the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. Okay. Now we find out before the famine years had come, God blessed Joseph to have two sons. And, and notice again, it relates that name of his wife, Asenoth, daughter of Potiphar. And the reason why is because this is an important family. Okay. But nevertheless, he has two sons and his first son is named, he names Manasseh, which literally means to forget. And his whole point was God had caused him to forget all the troubles that he had suffered while in the land of Egypt, as well as his father's house, how he missed his father. Of course, he would still miss his father, but all of the troubles that were associated with this. And therefore he named his son forgetting or Manasseh. Then he has another son. He named him Ephraim. And he said, this is because God had made him fruitful in this foreign land of Egypt. Okay. And Ephraim literally means fruitful. Okay. So now we have the seven years of plenty have come just as Joseph said and followed immediately by that begins the famine. And it talks about how the famine has struck all the land of Egypt. Remember in the dream, how Joseph said the famine would be so severe when the seven lean cows ate up the fat cows and the seven blasted corn uh, ears ate up the seven full, that it would be no remembrance of the years of famine. And now we see this taking place just as Joseph had predicted in the dream. And so the famine had gripped the land to such a degree that the people went unto the Pharaoh and began to say to the Pharaoh, you know, help us, help us, help us. And so what did the Pharaoh do? Since he had said all of these things in Joseph's hand, he continued to see, allow them to be set in Joseph's hand to administer how this thing would be dealt with. And so he says, go to Joseph and whatever Joseph tells you to do, 
that you do. And so the people went unto Joseph and Joseph began to sell them out of those granaries. Remember that he had said the storehouses that were bursting full with grains and grains of food. And so Joseph began to sell the people, the grain that were in the storehouses. Now we see the wisdom of Joseph in full fruition. But now the text begins to tell us it's beginning to develop even more because remember, and I'm going to kind of move this thing along a little bit because remember what we've been telling you guys the whole time, how it is the divine plan of God to move, to move Jacob and his tribal families, Jacob and the tribe out of Canaan. Why? Because of this constantly threat of intermarrying with the Canaanites. And we're not going to go through all of that. You can remember that constant threat of it. So he's preparing to move them into the land of Egypt. And this is why we now see when it says what, and we see the famine, this famine that Joseph had predicted in the dream was not only a famine that would affect Egypt, but it said the famine had affected all of the earth. That is not only Egypt, but even the surrounding countries, nations and city states around Egypt were being greatly affected by this famine. And so now we can see this famine being spoken of as being us or as affecting all the earth, namely even affecting even Jacob's tribes in the land of Canaan. And that's where we're getting ready to move now. How that the famine not only has affected Egypt and the Egyptians, the famine has also affected Jacob in the land of Canaan. And we're now going to see as we move into chapter 42, because of this famine affecting Jacob and his tribe in the land of Canaan, now through the sovereign hand of God, continuing to move how Joseph in a position of power is going to be reunited with his brothers again. And now remember earlier in chapter 37, I do believe it was when Joseph had these dreams that irritated and angered his brothers and how their she's bowed down to him. And even later on, how the sun and the moon and the stars bowed down to him. We are now getting ready to see these things being fulfilled as Joseph, the great power in Egypt and his brothers will come to Egypt to buy grain and his brothers will now bow down to one who is only next to Pharaoh and Joseph's dreams concerning his brothers will now be fulfilled. But we won't get into all of that. But anyway, thanks guys for joining me in that. Join me as we move into chapter 42 and talk about how Joseph's dreams to his family will now be fulfilled and God's purpose in using Joseph, choosing Joseph, sending Joseph through all of these difficult times and now raising him to power, how God's purpose for Joseph to tend the flock of his father Jacob, that is the tribe, his brothers, how God's purpose will now be furthered and be fulfilled. See you next time.